your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. All right, welcome to a Thursday, almost a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. You want to get in here, 608 785 7914. Going to bring Steve Doyle on in a couple of minutes, nine minutes or so. He's the incumbent assembly rep for the 94th district. And he's going up against Leroy Brown and Kevin Hoyer. Leroy Brown, independent candidate. Kevin Hoyer, the Republican candidate. The only three-way race we have around here, unless I missed one. I don't think I did. And uh, we brought Leroy Brown and Kevin Hoyer on yesterday. So if you wanted to hear what they had to say, wisdomnews.com slash podcast or download the Wisdom app. That's kind of like the best way, especially if you have a dog and you want to walk your dog, you download the Wisdom app, go to podcasts, hit play, put it in your pocket, walk around. And if your phone's not loud enough, get one of them tiny little Bluetooth speakers. I got a whole bunch of those. So, yeah, we're going to bring Steve Doyle on, see what kind of trouble we can get him into, right? We got to do gotcha journalism. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> um these, these three had a debate last week uh, that got, I think, Leroy Brown kind of made fun of, of Doyle and Hoyer and, and how they, you know, talk about being so nonpartisan and then kind of went after each other a little bit and kind of went after the other party a little bit in a question about how not to be nonpartisan. Uh, we, could, we could ask, we could ask uh, Doyle to, to recap that too as well. Uh, a release today by the City of the Cross is... A little, a little news about drug overdoses, but then more news about like, hey, by the way, this is going to be a drug take back uh, event coming up, and um, I think they're doing it a little bit differently this year. I I sent a message at last second to uh, Al Bliss with the uh, that that put out the release. I'm trying to find that. Alliance to Heal, there it is. I was looking at the map. I printed off their their slideshow here on on drug overdoses, but the, the they get your attention. Drug overdose deaths in Lacrosse County this year, thirty two, twice as many as twenty nineteen, and more than any other year. So the we have a record amount of drug overdose deaths this year, and when we want to talk about COVID deaths. More so, we have a COVID dashboard, right? And I think Rob Abraham has come on and talked about, hey, maybe we need a drug overdose dashboard. Nobody's actually uh, got back to me on that because I asked him, like, all right, how do you want to do it? How do you want to talk about drug overdose deaths in in the county? And I asked the police about that and still waiting. Still waiting how they want to address that. Maybe maybe healthcare workers. I've I've asked the Lacrosse County or what what the Cooley COVID nineteen collaborative kind of about drug overdose deaths. They're apples to oranges a little bit. I mean, you could say that the COVID nineteen pandemic is leading people to more stress and to to drug out more, I guess. I don't know, to overdose more to uh cope with everything, maybe. I don't know. I'm not big on drugs so but asking the county health department about 
you know, COVID versus drug overdose deaths. They they tried to like combine them in a way that I wasn't and was like, I, I wanted to I know this is the Cooley COVID nineteen collaborative, but we got some doctors up here. But maybe they just weren't versed on the situation at the time, but drug overdose deaths appear to be higher than ever this year in the cross county. I've got a 20-page slideshow I'm trying to print off. I'm trying to look at it on the computer, which is kind of annoying. Printing it off seems very 1990s. <laughs> but uh, last year, you know, looking at looking at the stats, I don't have the the drug-by-drug drug stats, but last year uh, fentanyl and heroin and meth were the big OD drugs. So it'd be nice to have 2020. They gave me a, a nice little chart here with all the years. 21 deaths in 2019. And what did I just say? 32 the deaths this year. So when they say twice as many and then their chart says 21 versus 32, I don't, maybe through, maybe through October. Not sure. But we can get into that in a little bit. I want to get Brad in here to do the news. Not literally, but we're going to bring Brad on to do the news right now. Let's do that now, and then I'm going to call Steve Doyle. We'll talk to him about the 94th Assembly, which he's been in that seat for, what is it now, since 2011, so nine years, looking for another run at it. Maybe we should talk to him about uh, term limits. We can talk to him about that, too. All right, we'll be back after this with Steve Doyle on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Steve Doyle, the assembly rep for the 94th District and obviously running again for, well, maybe it's not obvious, but it should be because he's been running for a while. Uh, Steve, how are you? I'm good. How about you, Rick? I'm good. Uh, the last time I had you on, you know, <laughs> you were you were headed to Madison or you were back from Madison for a 30-second uh, uh, bill or a 30-second session to ignore policing bills, but... You you did talk about you had to get up and do your chores. Is this is this a daily occurrence every day in in doing the chores? It's it's every day. In fact, uh, sometimes my wife makes me do her chores at night. So sometimes it's twice a day. <laughs> okay, so I I do want to know that you do you have an alpaca farm or do you have like a hobby farm? What are, what are the uh, animals that you yeah. have again? It's a hobby farm. We raise alpacas and uh, and goats. What do you do with alpacas then? Uh, you look at them and you uh, say, "Is that cute?" And that's pretty much it. They uh, they don't exactly carry their weight, but they're cheaper than horses. So you know, in that regard, it's a better investment. So it's kind of like having a dog, essentially, but an alpaca. Kinda, yeah. Kinda. And then goats the same way, or are you like milking goats and and having goat milk or something? No, we don't milk the goats. They're kind of pets. Okay. So yeah, totally a ho- like a hobby, like just having uh, just having some more pets. I mean, I I would be down with that if I had, uh, it, you know, I actually I could. I live on a bluff on the woods. It would probably be kind of annoying for them to live on. Although the goats would probably love it. Well, we bought this farm when our daughters were young, and uh, we wanted to have animals. But our daughters, because they were middle school age, insisted that we buy things that we don't eat. So <laughs> we were somewhat limited. Well, you could eat goats, maybe. I don't know. You can, but but that would not go over well with the daughters. <laughs> I suppose not anymore. Not after their pets. Uh, all right. That's so right. Uh, we talked to, to Leroy Brown and Kevin Hoyer yesterday. You guys had a debate last week. Uh, how did you feel the debate went between the three of you? I thought it was good. Um, everybody had a chance to uh, you know 
explain to the public a little bit more about uh, their position on things and their background and so forth. You know, any time that you have a chance to educate the public, that's a, a good thing in democracy. Now, yesterday I talked in the Senate debate this week, I brought up campaign finance reform. So I'm just going to keep running with that because I feel like uh, it's something that everybody I think everyone. Excuse me. I think everyone can agree agree that we have too much money in politics. So uh, is there is there anything that that the the legislation would want to do to reel in campaign spending? I, I feel like that's a that's one of those issues. Another one of those issues where if you put it to a referendum, Everybody in the state would be like, yeah, get like even even it out or bring the money in politics way down, uh, cap that somehow. But but it never seems to happen. Uh, absolutely. One hundred percent. I would vote for campaign finance reform. I would vote, vote for limits on donations. I would vote for limits on spending. I would vote for public financing or partial public financing of campaigns like we used to have. Um, money has gotten out of control in politics. Um, earlier this year, Robin Voss, the Republican Speaker of the Assembly, was going around bragging that he was going to get a veto-proof majority because he was going to raise $8 million to spend on the races that uh, he needed to win, which were four protects and four pickups, um, and I was one of those four pickups. So, you know, earlier this year, I was looking at, uh, you know, Republicans spending a million dollars against me um, for a job that pays $50,000 a year. Something is wrong with this system. Yeah, and now we had a system that, that, I don't know how good it was, but in 2015, Scott Walker and the legislature, which was still led by Republicans, they, they, they upped the ante, right? They, they kind of increased the amount of money that could be flowing into these, uh, to, your can- to you guys, the candidates? Yeah, they, well, they did a couple things. One is that they doubled the, the donation limit. So it used to be 500, now it's 1,000 for assembly, and I think from 1,000 to 2,000 for Senate. Uh, but the other thing that they did was they made it so that you can do um, unlimited fundraising with what are called the legislative uh, committees. So the Republican Assembly Campaign Committee, the Democratic uh, Campaign Committee. Um, and what that does is it consolidates power in the leadership. So, you know, Robin Voss, uh, as I said, you know, was going to raise $8 million, and then he would decide, you know, who among his colleagues he would give you that money out to for their campaign. Uh, obviously a tremendous uh, power type of a, of a situation. Uh, I think that's where corruption in government starts, which when you have too much power in too few hands. Does he stand like at the top of the castle somewhere and then just make it rain onto the candidates who are ha- put their hands up for the money? Or No, that's probably not. How, how, how is that working out for you? Because obviously there's a, there's a, a dem- Democratic leader of the Assembly whose name I don't know off the top of my head, but... Um, he, that, that would be Gordon Hintz. Okay, yeah, Gordon um, Hintz. There we go. Yeah, well, yeah and, and the way that it worked for me is that, you know, the Democrats said, wow, you know, every time Robin Boss says he's going to spend a million dollars per race, Steve Doyle's name keeps coming up, so we better start raising money for Steve. And, and you know, that's what they did. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's like I got some pretty significant donations from the, the Democratic Party. Um, for whatever reason, uh, Speaker Goss decided that uh, this district was no longer a priority, and he really hasn't uh, put much money in. And so I'm hoping that I'll be able to end this uh, this campaign uh, with uh, you know a lot of money in the bank and maybe even give some back. Now, in 2019, so four years after Republicans changed the rules on campaign finance, there was some legislation, I believe from a Milwaukee representative, to, to either go back to how it was or maybe even do it more so or maybe even a little less so. But 
Um, that legislation obviously didn't happen. Do you? How does this work now? Is it still somewhere where we can be like, hey, this is another thing you guys could work on if we if we wanted to meet in session? Um, or does, does somebody have to reintroduce this? Well, we are uh, officially adjourned from regular session um, for all intents and purposes for the year. But we could have a special session, but you know, more likely. Uh, it would have to be reintroduced in the, the next legislative session, which starts in January. There's various iterations of that bill. Uh, some do more than others. Um, but as a practical matter, you know, they're going to be introduced every session. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, so far they haven't gone anywhere, which means you just have to keep reintroducing them and try to keep that issue uh, to the forefront. You know, I give credit to groups like the League of Women Voters who are interested in you know, clean government, open government, transparent government, um, you know, they're going to keep making us talk about that, and I think that's a good thing. Now, Dan Kapanke in the Senate debate said he was more concerned with transparency than the amount of money flowing in a campaign, uh, and and he's going against Brad Paff, who has a million dollars, to Dan Kapanke's like $275,000. Is there a reason why he would say that, and, and even though he's, you know, three, he's got, you know, a quarter of the money of, of his opponent? You know, I, I don't know. I... I I think transparency is certainly important, but, you know, how many people really take the time to, you know, to look at those campaign finance reports? I think a better approach is not just to have the transparency, but certainly have the transparency, but also to place limits on how much money can be brought into politics. And and we have it in in two regards. One is, you know, obviously the money that comes from your legislative campaign committee or your party, but then there's that what we refer to as dark money that gets spent, you know, saying, you know, this person's a scumbag or that person's a crook or whatever, don't vote for them or call them up and tell them that you're mad about this or whatever. You know, that's the stuff that's basically untraceable and uh, usually has only a grain of truth in it and a big dose of, you know, lack of truth in it. I mean, we've got to get a handle on that kind of stuff, which is where that whole Citizens United at the federal level uh, comes in, where, you know, the courts basically have said that, uh, you know, those things are, are acceptable. I mean, we need to change the law, and that may need, mean changing the U.S. Constitution. But, you know, for so long as we don't change it, we're going to have people buying elections. We're, st- we're talking about Steve Doyle. He's the Democratic rep in the 94th Assembly District, running against Leroy Brown, an independent, and Kevin Hoyer, uh, the Republican candidate. Um, yesterday, I talked to those to those guys, and, and one of the, the things I think with Leroy Brown we hashed out is, you know, if you took like the 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 Republican Assembly gets, the, you know, Robin Voss, you talk about he's got eight million and he can distribute that how he wants, and then Gordon Hintz could distribute that how he wants. What if we put it all in one big pile, and then you, Leroy Brown and Kevin Hoyer got all the same amount of money? <laughs> like that does that seem like too wild of an idea? Well, on the one hand, it sounds like a good idea. However, what that does is it guarantees that the incumbent is almost always going to win because as the incumbent in the 94th, I have you know much greater name recognition. I have the ability to use my office, um, not inappropriately, but you know to, to get my name out there. I can you know call press conferences and people will show up. Um, so the, the incumbent is always going to have the advantage if you simply say nobody can spend any more money than anybody else. So you know, I think we'd have to tweak that a little bit, but I understand the theory of what you're saying, and, and I don't disagree with the theory. 
Um, another thing that I that I brought up at the Senate level, and I don't know how much this plays in the Assembly level, but I think this is Rob. This might be Robin Voss's district. That Foxconn is in Robin Voss's district, is it not? Um, it's either in it or right next to it. And and so and this was one of the things that you know we're three years into Foxconn. How much of a how much of a a play does the Assembly have at this point in in trying to determine what to do with Foxconn, or is that all going to be like up above that in in terms of the contract negotiations or renegotiations? Well, when it first came up, you know, in the legislature, we had a vote on it, and I was opposed to it, and have never changed my mind on that. Um, and I think that time has proven that the the no vote was the correct vote. Uh, what's going on right now is that the Basically, the rules of the game seem to be changing, and Foxconn is talking about um, doing something differently than what they had proposed to us. That would mean a renegotiation of the contract um, with the, you know, the, the governor's office or the, uh, you know, Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, some, you know, somebody in the executive branch. Depending upon how major those changes would be, they may or may not end up coming back to the legislature. Uh, I certainly think that we need to relook at it. We're seeing a lot of money get sunk into there. Um, a, a lot of people had their homes and their farms taken for that that project, um, only to see that it's just now being turned into a storage facility, which is never what was intended. And so we've got to make this right before the taxpayers end up getting a huge bill. Do we do we have to approach these things a little bit differently? I know this might lead to some businesses leaving. Like Kimberly Clark, we offered them state subsidies to stay. They left anyway. I think that was Governor Walker trying to leave. I don't know why he was doing that on his way out. Um, Foxconn, obviously, in 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 La Crosse County, right? We gave Quick Trip a, a bunch of subsidies to to expand their their three hundred million dollar expansion. Well, I'm not opposed to subsidies if it can be directly related to jobs. So, with regard to Quick Trip, for example. Um, you know, they were able to show a direct correlation for every dollar they got to how that would create jobs in our area. And so, you know, they they had good faith. They are a, a, a good corporate neighbor to, to have here. The concern is when you start to get um, what I guess I would call hostage taking, you know, we're going to leave unless you do X, Y, and Z. Um, and, you know, sometimes then what you have is, one community or one state, you know, um, trading off against or, 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 you know, negotiating against the other. You know, if, you, if Wisconsin gives you X amount of dollars, you'll go here. If Illinois gives you, you know, a few dollars more, you're going to go to Illinois. So let's let's go and up the, the bidding war. That's where it's really bad. And, and unfortunately, you know, we too often see governments play into that. And, you know, I can't say I fault the, the businesses. I mean, that's good business practice to see how much money you can get. Um, but in the long run, it's the taxpayers that get left holding the bag. So we need to do something about that. Um, and, and I think that La Crosse County has done it really well with what we've done here. <clears throat> when I was county board chair, for example, we worked out a, a, an agreement with Select Trusses uh, and Brickle Brothers to, you know, have their plant go into the, the newly created uh, West Salem Business Park. Um, and that, you know, we've been able to create, you know, over 200 jobs, and we've had some, you know, sustainable businesses go into there. But we tied everything into um, job production, and we, more importantly, followed up on that to make sure that they were doing that. If you have that kind of, of rigorous, you know, investigation and transparency, it can be a good thing. It can, be, it can mean serious economic development. 
And we talk about these jobs. Um, is there is there any talk about raising the minimum wage in the state because it's at seven twenty five an hour, which is what it is federally? So it's not there. Really, isn't one. It's just what we have federally. Um, the AFL CIO says adjusted inflation uh, adjusted for inflation minimum wage should be like ten seventy five to if you talk if you talk about worker pro- productivity eighteen dollars an hour somewhere around there. Um, is that when you when you talk about bringing businesses in and keeping them in here? Do they get scared when you if if you bring up raising the minimum wage? Well, it depends on which business you're talking about. Some businesses that operate you know just on the margins where you know every dollar could mean a, a difference. You know, every dollar they bring in could mean a difference of survival or, or going down the tubes. You know, they're going to be more concerned. Um, other ones, minimum wage isn't a particularly significant factor, and instead they're looking at. Um, you know, they, they might want to come into our state or expand in our state if they like our schools, for example, if they like our roads, for example, or the services that we offer or the natural environment or the workforce. You know, so there's things other than minimum wage. But, you know, there are some what, what you could call mom-and-pop operations that it's a big deal for. Um, but when we look at the overall effect of having a minimum wage that hasn't been changed for decades, what we're seeing is that people are qualifying for government benefits who have full-time jobs and who pays those governmental benefits, you and me, through our taxes. So, you know, if we're going to raise all boats, we have to start with that little boat and, and help that one, uh, you know, to, to be able to stay afloat, too. And that would be the person earning minimum wage, which was originally intended to be an entry-level job or, or pay. But we're seeing now that many people are... are stuck in minimum wage jobs for almost their entire working career. Yeah, to make a living. And I, I know in Minnesota, that I live in Minnesota, so the minimum wage there is is like around $8 an hour for businesses under $500,000 in revenue. And then it's somewhere around $10 an hour for businesses above 500000 And then it gets adjusted for inflation every maybe every year, maybe every CBS News Brief. Donald- so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I feel like there's an easy model to work out to make it fair. Yeah, I mean, other states, I think, have gotten a good handle on it. Wisconsin needs to start looking at those things because we're really lagging behind. All right, Steve, uh, that's all the time I got. Thanks a lot for joining me. Hey, thank you. All right. That's Steve Doyle. He's the running for the 94th Assembly. He's the incumbent Democratic representative there. He's going up against independently Roy Brown and... Republican Kevin Hoyer, who were on yesterday. So if you want to listen to those guys, um, you can go to wisdomnews.com slash podcast or do it on the Wisdom app. All right, we got to get to Brad Williams in the newsroom. Scott's comment coming up first. We'll be back in a minute on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Thanks to Steve Doyle for joining me. Uh, last segment there, if you want to listen to that. It'll be up on the podcast in a little bit. Uh, Brent texted in. Let's see if I can fi- figure this out. Uh, he said, make sure Doyle knows that, or the public knows, that Select Trust and Brickle Brothers are two separate entities. Um, Pretty sure Doyle knows that, but there you go. And uh, Greg texted in, does Mr. Doyle endorse Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? I think we can all guess. What if he endorses the Democratic nominee for president and his vice president? Didn't really feel like asking him that because uh, we all know the answer. Uh, didn't get to him about you know the the whole legalizing marijuana. I probably could have asked him that. Just ran out of time. There's always 
have all these questions. And then you get on to one topic, and it's pretty interesting, the campaign finance thing. He, 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 he created himself a nice avenue there, right? Like he talked about Robin Voss, the assembly leader, the Republican assembly leader, uh, having bragging about or having raised $8 million. And as these things work now, as I'm learning, the assembly has its own like wallet and you can just send them money. And then the assembly gets to decide. The, uh, the Republican Assembly Committees, well, however it's called, gets to decide where they want to throw all that money into these races. So Robin Voss sounded like he was going to send a million dollars to must have been Kevin Hoyer. Um, and then it didn't happen, Doyle said. And, you know, to when when the Democrats hear that, they're like, oh, Kevin Hoyer's going to get a million dollars. Well, then we need to give Steve Doyle a million dollars or whatever the amount was to kind of even things out. And at the end of the day, it sounds like Kevin Hoyer didn't get the million <laughs> and Steve Doyle did, maybe. I don't know if it was a million dollars, but we didn't get into the, the the figures exactly. But, you know, there's the avenue that Doyle creates for himself to say, oh, I, this is, you know, accidentally got this money. But um, it sounds legit. I don't know. Do you believe it? Kevin Hoyer's probably like, I don't believe it. <laughs> Where's my million uh, you know, but talking about campaign finance reform, he he was pretty on board with all the things that that would reel in the the idea of all you know m- big money in politics, dark money. If we call anything dark money, right? There's that dark store loophole thing that that, that, that where where uh, companies are you know taking your tax money that we all should be like, um, no, we don't need that dark store loophole. I mean, I guess if you just name things dark whatever, then then we would be <laughs> sketchy about what they're about. Um, so then everything could be dark, right? Like uh, the dark Eric from Sparta is calling in right now. Eric, you're on the air. Yeah, I was wondering. I was I had a question for Mr. Doyle. I was. Uh, I wonder if he supported Jennifer Fielding and the rest of the Democrats who ran to Illinois to avoid Walker's Act 10, which would have teachers you know, to bankrupt the state. And I wonder if he supported that. And that's what Walker was trying to prevent the Democrats from bankrupting the state because the teachers you know, how is the teachers union bankrupting was bankrupting the state their their uh, benefits were extravagant more than any average uh, Wisconsin I could possibly even think about getting so uh, so Eric let's approach Let's approach this one way or the other. So teachers were getting good benefits, like nice health insurance plans, stuff like that, right? More than any average citizen. Across, uh, I'm just asking you. So you about, even think about it. It's so, like a luxury. So, Eric, if you had those same benefits, you'd be like, hell yeah, these are great benefits. Well, I, I guess I would, but I, I'm not a teacher and I'm, I'm not All a, right. Well, let's approach this one I'm way. I'm not a member of the teachers union because they were, they were deliberately. Okay, but let's approach this another way. Instead of looking at the teachers and saying, man, they have great benefits. We need to get rid of those. Why don't we look to the rest of the uh, of us peons down here because teachers are so much better than us, right? Let's look at the rest of the state. If average workers aren't getting those types of benefits, then maybe we should bring the average workers' benefits up on level on the on the par with with the with whatever the teachers' union was doing. Why are we bringing Why are we bringing the benefits down? Doesn't work that way because the average citizen doesn't have a union. The average citizen doesn't work for a union, but they look at this this union stuff is bankrupting the state and they're on. 
Why don't I get that? Well, so, it work for our unions. The unions are bankrupting the state. So the unions are okay, getting right. pe- so the so the unions are getting teachers great benefits, and the rest of us peons are you know clawing for scraps. Maybe we need to think about this another way. I may, I, I mean I'm I'm into great benefits. I'm I'm in. Let's let's do it. Uh, we got another caller. Caller, who is this? Hello. Who's this? Yeah, though. All right, I'll put you on hold. Maybe if oh no, I hung up on you. Call me back. <laughs> um, yeah, that's always that's always the the funny way to go about these things is we we point to to the little guy, right? Like food stamps, stuff like that. I can't believe you know all these unemployed workers are getting six hundred dollars extra benefits during the COVID nineteen crisis on top of their unemployment, which they in Wisconsin probably aren't getting. Uh, we, we look at that and, and are jealous that people that don't have jobs are getting an extra six hundred dollars uh, for for what was it was it a month or two months before that ran out and then we never gave them anything else after that. Um, but but also you know we could just we need to approach these things the other way. We need to be like you know what everybody should be <laughs> should be in on that. Like okay you know what we should give that to everybody if they're in trouble if they've lost their job. The better the benefits for the average person seems like a better way to approach this thing rather than picking on the idea that teachers benefits are too good because we all know teachers are living that life of luxury in their yachts and their multiple houses, their summer homes. I mean, they got summers off. So, you know, they get to go to their, their summer homes on the beach and just live it up all those three months before they come back to school and, you know, get sick and, and, and reap the benefits of their awesome health care plans. I mean, before Act 10, right? Because now they, they don't get that. Now they're, they, we've dumbed it down. We've brought them down to the peon levels, the, the peons like us, we, where we get no benefits, no health care, deductibles, $5,000. Good. Let's bring all the citizens down to a level where we're all scratching and clawing for stuff and we can barely get by. And uh <laughs> The damn those unions for giving teachers benefits. What are, what are we doing? Like, what are we talking about? Uh, all right, libertarian guys calling in. Go ahead, man. Hey there, Rick. I just caught part of the conversation you were having with Rick and I, I or Eric. Um, with Eric, and I just had to add that it is very different. And so I actually side with with Eric on this one. Teachers um, within the public school system. They are paid through tax dollars, and so they are able to get benefits for two different reasons. One is they're supported by the liberal union, but the other reason is that government has the power to tax us, whether we have kids in school or not, whether you're old, young, whatever, they can tax us. And so that's, that was, that's, this goes back to why Governor Walker pushed for Act 10, because not only were unions pushing for this, they were using the force of government to extract money from the taxpayers in order to give these lucrative benefits. The right, private but, sector doesn't have that option. And so I think that's a really important distinction that needs to be made. Yeah, we should look at we should look at a way to maybe force uh, everybody to get some better benefits because I feel like the private sector okay. isn't living up to its to uh to to its billing and and helping its workers. I mean I don't know. My health care plan, not great. I'm not, if I get sick, it's going to cost me a lot of money before I, you know, before the deductible is, is, uh, you know, hit. So if we're talking about health care. So, so this is where we part company, Rick, because, and, and this fits into the libertarian philosophy. Libertarians do not believe that it's okay to use government force 
to extract money from other people. You know, if, if, if you... Government can put people in jail. They can garnish your wages. And every time somebody like you or a Democrat or even Republicans, too, that think that they can just raise taxes on people, that's real government force. You don't pay those taxes, you know, they can come and they can put you in jail or they can fine you or they can, you know, penalize you in in so many different ways. So uh, you got to let the free market work. Yeah, I, f- I feel like in some in some cases we we don't need to do that, and I, I think when it comes to healthcare, I think we need to bring everybody on the same same level. There can't be there can't be winners and losers in healthcare. But libertarian guy, when it comes to Foxconn, I feel like we you know that's where I think maybe we agree a little bit more on the idea that government's going to throw money at a giant corporation and say, hey, will you come here? We'll give you all these. We're going to change all the rules for you. We're going to put all these roads and infrastructure in for you. And uh, cater to yeah. everything you got, and 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 then they don't live up to their promises, and still try to stay, hold the state hostage. Right, and and I do agree with you on there, and that that again is one of the few differences that there are between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats tend to want to use taxes to hand out benefits to individuals, whereas Republicans want to use taxes to hand out money to corporations, and and that's just wrong, and that's why I can't support either party. Right, I hear you. All right, yep. that it? You good? All right. Yep, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> All right, Thank thanks you. for the call. All right, we got a couple more callers here. Let me look at the time. Um, is that, I think, oh, Jack's trying to call back. J- Jack, you there? Is this Jack? Yeah. All right, Jack, go ahead, man. Hey, I think uh, part of the point what these guys are missing is my wife's daughter and her boyfriend are both teachers. And for five years, they didn't get any raise on their paycheck. It all went toward their benefit package. And then Scott Walker came in with Act 10 and took those benefits away and never gave them a pay raise. So they actually went without a pay raise for five years to keep their benefits. And then he came in and took away their benefits. And then they never got a cost of living raise that they should have probably gotten over the five-year period. Yeah, but the lap of luxury, the life lap of luxury that they're living before that, I mean, we can't let them do that, Jack. That's your opinion, you know, but I mean. I'm I'm kidding. That was me being sarcastic. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I mean, on top of that, after that act 10 went through, not only did they lose their benefits, but they also, $900 a month out of their pocket now to have anything comparable what they had before and they still didn't get their five years worth of raises back so it's kind of a messed up deal sure all right man thanks for the call all right later uh yeah (laughs) there there are some there are some little bits and pieces to this like in terms of like i think you could cherry pick some of this stuff like didn't get their five years worth of raises i'll tell you I mean, how many people get a raise every year, right? Like that when it when it comes to the government workers and the three percent raise increase every every year, whatever it is, you know, like mm, mandate that to everybody. <laughs> I think we could all be be happy with that, except for the people that are you know doling out those checks. Uh, another caller, caller, who's this? Scott. Hey, Scott, go ahead. Well, I I do have to kind of speak a little bit from the other side, being self employed for you know the past. 25 years. Yeah. My wife does work, carry the benefits. We pay extremely, we pay a lot of money for our benefits, okay? However, I know that the teachers are, you know, they had to pay the, the five years, didn't get the raises, but 
and maybe this is some of the older teachers. Now, I know two teachers that are retired that make $8,500 a month for the rest of their life. Yeah, and some kind of $8,500 between the two of them. I, I, that's more than my wife and I make together. I'm killing myself over here. Yeah, you talking and, about and, a know, pension? I mean, it's just it, maybe because it's so upside down because of the previous stuff that these teachers. And you got to remember, they don't work those three months. So really, what are they really making? I, I used to work in the school districts, janitor in the summers when I went to college, and the teachers that were working there were painting the schools and getting paid through the summer, and painting the schools getting paid too. So they had the life of luxury down there. But that, you know, not luxury. I shouldn't say that. But again, I've paid for everything my whole life. Yeah. And uh, you know, being self-employed is something that when you hear about this, I, I you know, I don't take vacations. You know, and I guess it's my fault, but I've got a lot of patience you're, that I you're, worry about. You you're know? your own anyway, boss. You're your own boss, too. Right? That's it. I am. I am. <laughs> but, I'm, hey, I started well before Mike this morning, and I'm still here. Yeah, but I, you did say something about a wife paying the benefits, so maybe you're not your own boss. <laughs> well, you got every man knows that. All right. Thanks for the call, Scott. I got to get to a break. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a minute to go here, wrap up. Dr. Anthony Tragassi, the UW Lacrosse political science professor, is going to be on with me tomorrow to break down what's coming up. I believe, is it at, I guess I should have looked, debate Trump-Biden. That's going to be on Wisdom. If you want to listen to it on the radio, you can listen to it uh, coming up. Is it? Is it still coming up? It's not canceled, right? <laughs> Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe it'll get canceled the last minute. Uh, but that's coming up tonight. Um, just popped in my head that that's I gotta do. I have to watch that. Probably should. So so me and Tregoski could break it down tomorrow. I just don't. I don't really want to. I don't want to watch. No, I do. Actually, I kind of do. We'll see what happens. How many times does Trump get muted? That's all we want to know, right? How many times does he get muted? How many times does he interrupt? How many times does he flip out? It's all entertainment TV when it comes to Donald Trump. Any substance to anything that either of them are going to have to say? Doubtful, but, you know, maybe they'll scream and yell at each other and make fools of themselves, and that's what we're all hoping for because that's all we want on TV. Couldn't get Steve Doyle to make a fool of himself today, though. We'll try next time. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening. See you tomorrow.